0: chapter 3 beginning at verse 1 says finally my brethren rejoice in the Lord to write the same to write the same things to you to me indeed is not grievous but for you it is safe beware of dogs beware of evil workers beware of the concision for we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath, hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin and Hebrew of the Hebrews as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law blameless. But what things were gained to me, those are counted lost for Christ. And we'll stop reading right there for now. Uh, but back uh, back to verse 1, uh, Paul begins this passage of Scripture with finally. Now, he he wasn't concluding the letter here. We have a whole other chapter uh, in the book of Philippians right. uh, that, that he wrote here. And he actually includes the word finally in that chapter as well. But he's, uh, but he's, he's going on. We must remember that uh, when this was originally written, In the Greek Greek that it was, there was no punctuation. There were no chapter divisions. There were no verse numbers. There was nothing like that. So this was a continuation of the thoughts that he had in chapter 2 in our King James Version Bible. So he's, He's continuing on with those thoughts when he says finally. But he says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you to me indeed is not grievous, but for you it is safe. He says, Rejoice in the Lord. And, uh, and this isn't the only time that Paul ever wrote, wrote these words. He said rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice Paul continually encouraging the churches that he wrote to and the epistles that, that uh, he wrote to the, for the believers, for the Christians to rejoice in the Lord. Notice he's saying rejoice in the Lord. He's not saying rejoice in anything other than the Lord. He's not saying rejoice in your own works. He's not saying rejoice in whom you are associated with rejoice in your denomination rejoice in your bank account rejoice in this or that no Paul says rejoice in the Lord and he goes on to say it's not grievous for me to write the same things to you that you already already heard me say now when you read in the book of Acts Paul's uh, Paul's trips to the city of Philippi when you read about these things Paul uh, when he went there I'm sure he, he he uh, said some of the same things to them. And we in person, as he wrote to them here in this letter, Paul says, Don't worry that I'm saying the same thing to you two or three or four times. Hey, the story hasn't changed. Wow. Said, Does it doesn't matter if I come to you in the book with the book of Philippians or the book of Genesis or the book of Deuteronomy or any other book in Scripture, the message of the gospel. Myself. The message is the same. The message is the same. Right. To write the same, th- same thought to you, to me, indeed, is not grievous. It says it's not bothering me. And then he goes on to say, but for you, it is. Safe. In other words, it's not bothering me. Don't let it bother you. This will give you comfort in the future. This will give you assurance in the future. Folks, I have assurance in Jesus Christ just as much as I have salvation in Jesus Christ. I have assurance. I have salvation. I have freedom. I have liberty. I have grace. I have well-being. I have all these things through Jesus Christ. Regardless of how bad shape my body might get in, regardless of the bad times that may come my way, I still have Jesus Christ that I can live. You know, the Bible says, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. I can cast every bit of my care upon the very one that saved me. And I will never tire of preaching that message. Praise Hallelujah. Give he goes on to say, you, beware of dogs. Yep. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. Three things he lists here. Beware of dogs. This is something that the Jews generally referred, uh, kept, kept uh, tucked away as an insult for the Gentile race. For the Gentile nation, this is something the Jews would call them because they were outside of the covenant of God. The Gentiles were outside of the covenant that God made with Abraham over in the book of Genesis. Therefore, in the Jews' eyes, they were dogs. But here, who who is Paul referring to? He's referring to Judaizers. He's referring to Gnostics. There weren't as many Judaizers in the city of Philippi as there were Gnostics. But the Judaizers were the ones that were coming and they were saying okay Jesus Christ is all great he is fine he is well you want salvation through him that's wonderful but you've still got to be Circumcised, you still got to keep the feast, you still got to keep the law. This is what the Judaizers were saying. The Gnostics are the ones that were that had infiltrated the Philippian church. They are the ones that came in and said, I've had a special revelation from God. I have a higher, a higher relationship with God than what you might have. I have a better, uh, better being with God than what you had. These were the Gnostics. And the churches of 2022 are filled with Gnostic people. They are filled with those that say, I have a better relationship than you do with God. If I tell you to do something that the Bible doesn't say, don't worry about it. It came from God. No, folks, this is the word of God, not the word that any preacher makes up or teacher makes up. The Bible is the complete word of God. Oh God! Hey, hey. Whether we like yes, it sir. or not, God lost people don't like that. Saved people don't really like it. You're right. Hey, this book will walk all over my toes, <laughs> yes, even sir. though I'm a born-again child of God. 13 plus years now, this book will still walk all over my life. And no, I don't like it when it doesn't. But at the same time, a born again child of God will will use those experiences that they have with the Bible, that they have with the Word. They will use them to better themselves. The Holy Spirit will show those people, will show the saved individual, you use this scripture to walk in the Spirit. For if we walk in the Spirit, we will not get into the lust of the flesh. Amen. If we walk in the Spirit, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Hey, folks, the Spirit will guide us in the truth of God's Word to mold us more and more like the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. That's Good what purpose. the Word does. It molds us. Yes, it does. These Gnostics came in, and the Judaizers came in. That was the whole point of the Jerusalem Council of Acts chapter 15. Was the Judaizers saying, No, you have to be circumcised. God. You must be circumcised. Folks, that wasn't even the covenant. Of the Jewish people. That wasn't even the covenant that God made with the Jewish people. That was a token. That was a sign of the covenant that God made with Abraham. Amen. When God made the Abraham, made the Abrahamic covenant. Hey, Abraham wasn't even a part of it. All Abraham did was gather the animals together and he slaughtered them, laid out their pieces. And he fell asleep by God's own work. And God is the one that came down. God is the one that walked through the midst of the animals. God is the one that made the covenant. It had nothing to do with Abraham. Right. It was just directed toward Abraham. Amen. When God made a covenant with the whole world through Jesus Christ. Saying, this is my beloved son whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved son. Hear ye him. That's what he told the disciples that witnessed the Mount of Transfiguration. Hear ye him. God made a covenant through Jesus Christ that if anyone believes in him, they shall be saved. Amen. They shall be saved. And it was prophesied in the book of Joel. There shall come a day when anyone that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered. They shall be delivered. That's what Paul was quoting in the book of Romans when he said, anyone that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's the same meaning. Right. It's the same principle. It's the same concept. That is the covenant that God has made with man. But man now, just like man did, they have added to the word of God. They have added to the covenant of God. They have said, no, God doesn't go by this anymore. God has enlightened me. as to what he wants now, folks, this is the final word from God. Yes, the Bible sir. is all God has to say to us. Amen. Praise the Lord. There is nothing else. Praise the Be careful of these people. Now listen, I know the Bible says study to show thyself approved. I know sometimes that study will take you outside the pages of Scripture if you read commentaries, if you read devotionals, if you listen to other preachers, if you do any any number of other things, it might take you outside the pages of that blessed book, and there ain't nothing wrong with that. Right. You be careful what you're reading, and you pay attention to what you're reading. Anything that begins, and listen, folks, there's a lot of books out there to begin with this. Anything that begins with, well, I had the Bible, and I had my prayer life, but I felt like I needed more. My God, what else do we need? You're right. What else? Did that is to say that the scripture is insufficient. You're right. That is to say that God had left us with an incomplete word. That is to say that God God left us in need of something. God has left us in need of nothing. We have his word. His word has our promise. His promise. His word has the promise of the Messiah. That Messiah is coming. Is recorded in Scripture. His death is recorded in Scripture. His resurrection is recorded in Scripture. And his intercession is recorded in scripture scripture. We need nothing else. Hey, this book has yes. everything that we need. Beware of the dogs. God bless. Speaking about the Judaizers. Speaking about his own people. A term that was generally reserved for Jews unto Gentiles. Here he is speaking Jew to Jew. Beware of the dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. The concision, the great word that is used there is also interpreted as mutilation. In other words, these these Judaizers, these dogs, these workers of evil that he's speaking of in this verse, he was referring to the circumcision as nothing more than the mutilation of the human flesh, mutilation of the body. Now listen, Paul goes on to say we read it. He says, I, I was a Jew. I was a Pharisee. I was a Jew of the Jew, a Pharisee. I was the, the stock of uh, Benjamin, or the stock of Israel, the, the, the tribe of Benjamin. He, he says, hey, there wasn't nobody more Jewish than I was. There wasn't nobody more holy as I was according to the law. You listen to me. Paul was part of the Sanhedrin council. If Paul was part of the Sanhedrin council, I can almost guarantee you, although Scripture doesn't say it, I can almost guarantee you he was present at the trial of Jesus Christ when they brought him in and he had that trial by night. I can almost promise you that Paul was present at that trial. But hey, why wasn't Paul converted then? Why wasn't he convinced at that point? Why Why wasn't he like Peter, just a holy fisherman. Why wasn't he like Matthew, a hated publican? I'll tell you why. Because his religion got in the way of salvation. His religion is what he was relying on. Yes, I don't so. rely on religion or ceremony or anything else. I rely on the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. I think Praise that's what got his this way. We all know the story there in the book of Acts. When Paul was on his way to Damascus, then he was still Saul of Tarsus. When he's on his way to Damascus, he gathered letters. He was going to go wreak havoc upon the churches. He was going to go imprison the believers in Jesus Christ. Probably had some of them killed. He was going to go do these things unto the believers in Christ Jesus. But what happened? We know that bright light shined on him. It blinded him for three days. But hey folks, I like the words of a deacon buddy of mine. He said, I think Paul saw more in those three days. He was blind than he had ever seen in his life. Hey, because right hey. when that happened, what did Paul say? Lord, what would Thou have me to do? And Jesus told him what He would have him to do. He told him where to go. Told him who to meet. He told him. He said, You must see the same, the things that you must suffer for My name's sake. Hey, Amen. Yeah. He saw a lot while he was blind. You're right. He saw an awful lot but the concision Paul's hoping that Paul would rely on he says there in this scripture we just read, circumcised the eighth day, folks the Ishmaelites who was basically the Israelites first cousins on down the line or on back the line we should say, the Ishmaelites they performed the circumcision at the age of 13, Gentiles who were proselytized into the Jewish religion Uh, into the the Judaistic faith. They were circumcised whenever they made their profession, but they had to be circumcised, circumcised, why? because the law was still in place. Amen. And like I said, that circumcision wasn't law. That circumcision was a sign of the covenant. It was a sign that, hey, these are my people. These are the ones that, they it ain't no, no different than the ceremonial law and the laws of eating the clean and the unclean animals. There wasn't nothing sinful about a pig. There wasn't nothing sinful about shellfish. God done that to separate his people from wow. the rest the world the same reason that when we go out we are to present ourselves as a bride of trust trust is not coming back after some washed up whore he's coming back for a bride that is clean and pure and chaste in the blood of jesus Christ. amen when we go out we should present ourselves that way yes sir and no other way Paul had an understanding of that. That's why he called this the concision, the mutilation. He says, if you do that now, now that we're not under the law, but we're under grace, you're doing nothing more than mutilating yourselves. We're under, if anybody had an understanding of grace, it was the Apostle Paul. Praise God. If you're here now and you're saved and you're born again, you should have an understanding of grace. Because I promise you, you didn't deserve it any more than I did. That is grace. And it is nothing but grace. On with the scripture. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh no confidence in the flesh. He says, we are the circumcision. Who is the we? He's talking about himself and the church at Philippi. The church, the body of believers that were in the city. He says, we are the circumcision. He wasn't talking about the physical circumcision. He was talking about Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 6 where it says, the Lord thy God will circumcise your heart. And it takes the circumcision of the heart and you and I are in kingdom of doing such a thing. Only God can do that. Only yeah. God can reach inside and cut away the part of the heart that is getting in the way, that Praise is evil, Lord. that is wretched, and replace it with something good and something pure. Only God can do that. Not us. Amen. It takes God to circumcise the heart. We can't do it. We have babies in this country every day. Most of them are circumcised. We all know what that is. We're all adults here. We can talk about that. But most all of them are circumcised. That ain't got nothing to do with Abraham the covenant. The most of them born in this country, they ain't got an ounce of Jewish blood in them to begin with. And even so, we're not under the law. We're under grace. We're under grace. Yeah. We, do not, we do not have confidence in the flesh. Although we are of the circumcision, I am of the circumcision. You are, whether you're male or female, you can claim to be of the circumcision because what needs to be circumcised was the heart—the heart that had to be done uh, in that manner. But, uh, but though I may have uh, verse four, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I am more. Paul says, if any man thinks that. <coughs> He can listen. listen, Paul wasn't being arrogant. And he wasn't being cocky at all. He wasn't holding his nose up high and saying this. But what he was saying in this verse of Scripture is if any man thinks that he has any reason at all to glory in himself, to glory in his works of the law, to glory in his keeping of the law, to glory in any of these things, any part of the flesh, uh, anything to do with that, Paul says, I could glory more in it. I could brag more in it. I could have more pride in what I have done. And that's when he lists these things. He says, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews as touching the law of Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Paul says, these, dude, this list is all mine. I was all of these things. Says, touch, as touching the law, blameless. Paul wasn't saying that he had never broken the law. He was saying that he strived to keep the law wow. more than anybody that he knew, more than any other Pharisee that he had ever come into contact with. This man studied at the feet of Daniel. He was a well-educated man. Paul uh, had everything going for him here. He had his education. He had his nationality. He he had everything going in his direction. Everything looked bright and shiny for the apostle Paul. But he says, What things were gained to me? Those I counted for loss, for Christ. Everything that we've listed there, he listed those two verses. Everything. He counted as lost for Christ. How many of us have done that as part of the church? I'm talking about born-again believers. Well, the lost world out there, they, they've, got, they've got the, the idea that, uh, of kind of what Paul was getting at in part of this here. That if they do good, if they do well, and you listen to me, it's the church's fault that they have that thought process. It is the church of Jesus Christ's fault that people think, well, if I do good, if I quit drinking, if I quit fornicating, if I quit drugs, I like quit going out to the bars. And why is that? Because the church has told them, if you quit doing these things, if you'll just quit doing this, you'll be alright with God. <coughs> Folks, that's contrary to what the Bible says. Yes, right. That is completely contrary to what Scripture says. Yes, sir. Folks, let me tell you, the people, they act like pagans because they are pagans. They act like heathens because they are heathens. They act like they're unsaved because they are unsaved where we went to church this morning Hey, the, the pastor He uh, this morning he was in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and he brought up that scripture there in 1 Corinthians 6 got a whole list of ugly evil wicked black nasty lies or, or lies and sins uh, that, uh, people that shall not inherit the kingdom of God it brings up fornication it brings up drunkards it brings up idolaters it brings up all these things. and, and Paul goes on to write as were such or as such were some of you have. That word, word, word is in the past tense. In other words, you are not that way anymore. Amen. It goes on at the very beginning of the passage. It says, for the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And it continues on with that list of nasty sins that we like to read. But folks, only those which are unrighteous are the ones that commit those sins. If they commit those sins, it's because they weren't righteous to begin with. I believe, I believe wholeheartedly in backsliding. I do. The Bible teaches it, old and New Testament. Yes, sir. The Bible teaches backslide, backsliding. But <laughs> you be careful what scripture you use to show backsliding, because you can't use First Corinthians chapter six. You have a hard time using a lot of scriptures that people use trying to prove backsliding in the scripture. You be careful because most of those scriptures are talking about people that were never saved to begin with. It's not talking about backsliding. Here, Paul is speaking to a church in Philippi. He's not talking about a backsliding condition with them. He's not talking about uh, uh, anything along those lines. He's telling them what to beware of. He says, beware of dogs. Beware of the evil workers. Beware of of the concision. And he goes on, and evidently those people were making their way into the church. And Paul says, I've got this list of my attributes, of things that can be attributed to me, of my good works, of my keeping the law, of me, me, me. He says, but what things were gained to me, and every one of those were gained to him, what things were gained to me, those I counted of lost for Christ. Folks, I'm glad I ain't kind of depend on keeping the law. And you should be too. The Bible teaches it, Paul teaches it over and over in the New Testament. We're not under the law, but we're under grace. Right. We're not. Hey, Galatians chapter 3, you'll read there was never a law given where men could be that men could be saved by the law. The law was never given for salvation. If we we don't keep the law because we have to, we do our best, we strive to keep the law because we want to. Because we are a child of God. Amen. Because we don't want to drag the name of Jesus Christ through the mud. Because we don't want to bring reproach upon the church and upon Jesus Christ and upon the kingdom. We don't want to do these things because that very kingdom and that very cross and that very king is in it. absolutely what we are promised that one day after a while. Why would we want to drag it through the mud? Why would we want to do that? We don't. If we're born again, we don't. What things were gained to me, those are kind of lost for Christ. Let's continue on, just a few more verses. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And do count them but dumb that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of of God, by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death if by any means I might attain to the resurrection of the dead. <clears throat> One more verse we'll read here in a minute. Verse 12. But we'll stop right there. He says, Doubtless I count all things but loss, from the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Paul personalizes it there. Remember, he's writing to the Philippian church, and we read just a couple of verses ago that he was saying we he referred to him and that church. But here he says, Christ Jesus, my Lord. Yeah. He personalizes it, folks. He's my Lord. Amen. If you're born again, he's your Lord. We yeah. will lay my claim to him? He is my Lord. Praise he is my Jesus. He is my Savior. He came to where I was. That's why I encourage people to, to, to testify. I encourage people to praise the Lord. You don't have to cut a shine. You don't have to make a But Hey folks, they wasn't there when Christ pulled that bottle away from somebody's lips. The rest of the church wasn't there when they pulled the joint away from their lips. When he pulled the, the needle out of their arm. Hey, the rest of the church wasn't around when the God Almighty done that and save those people from their sin save those people from the wrath of hell save them from the wrath of himself that's what god did when he saved us he saved us from the wrath of god amen my encourage folks go ahead and praise him. Ahead and don't worry about what other people think about you don't worry about what other people People think that you praise him too much, or you cry too much, or you shout too much, or anything else. They wasn't there when God saved you. Let me tell you something. When I got saved, there wasn't one Baptist around. There wasn't a Pentecostal around. There wasn't a Methodist around. There was no one around but me and God when he saved me. I don't owe my salvation to any of you. I don't owe it to any church. I don't owe it to any individual or any group. I owe my salvation to Jesus Christ. He is the one that suffered and bled and died for me. And I owe my salvation to God the Father. Because he's the one that sent the Son to take my place on the cross and suffer for I should have suffered right nobody hey, else was around hey. when I got saved Good that's praise. why I praise God I can't yes. praise you all for it I can't praise you all for my salvation I count everything that I had just like Paul here and listen I didn't have religion I knew about religion but I didn't have it not the way Paul did he said I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things he lost it all, folks. Listen, again, Paul, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, a Jew of the stock of Israel, he was saying, I'm not like one of those Samaritans up there that was a half-breed. I'm not like one of those that the rest of the Jews made fun of. He said, I'm a Jew as far back as the line of Jewry goes. He says, I was a Jew of the Jew. I was a Pharisee. Folks, he was a he was a, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was blameless in keeping the law, so he said, like I said, Paul knew that he hadn't kept it perfectly, that he was saying that he strived more than anybody else that he knew to keep that law. But he says he lost all things. We can assume, the Bible doesn't say, but we can assume that Paul was probably from a pretty well to do family. Most of those Pharisees were. He was from a pretty well-to-do family. He probably had money. He probably had quite a lavish lifestyle as a Pharisee most of the Pharisees did. But he lost it all to follow Jesus. What does Jesus say in the Gospels? If any man won't pick up his cross and follow after him, he is not Christ's disciple. People say, I'm following Jesus all the time. A lot of unsaved people say, I'm following Jesus. Are you bearing the cross? Are you bearing the cross that Christ said that we would bear? There wasn't no no ifs or ands or buts in the scripture. Pick up your cross and follow me is what Christ said. Your cross is going to be different from the cross that I bear. My cross will be different from yours. It's not talking about a cross or crucifixion. It's not t- talking about a cross that, that can bring salvation to, to a lost and dying world. It's not the cri- cross of Christ that you bear. Only Christ can bear that cross. Your cross not be one like Paul's. As I've already quoted over there in the book of Acts, his conversion. Christ said, you, you must see what things you shall suffer for my sake. Christ bear, or Paul was called to a ministry of suffering. And suffer he did. Right. suffering he did, the man was shipwrecked, the man was taken outside the city, stoned and left for dead, the man was was, was beaten with stripes, the man the man was, was ridiculed, the man was put in the prison, he was called to a ministry of suffering. And that's exactly what he did. That's the context you need to read Philippians 4.13. Like I said we ain't going to get into that tonight. But I'll just give you that to chew on later on this week if you to say, I can do all things through Christ, which straighteneth me. That means I could climb to the top of a 20 story building and say, I'm going to fling myself off of here because I can do all things through Christ, which straighteneth me. I don't think I'm going to survive if I reach the bottom. Nah. Now, God can do that. I ain't saying that He's incapable, but that's not what that verse means. You read it in context. Well, I said, we ain't going to get into that tonight. Folks. Oh. <coughs> He was called to the ministry of suffering. You might be called to a ministry of singing. You might be called to a ministry of praying. You might be called to a uh, to a ministry of evangelism. Uh, whatever the case is, I don't know. I don't know what what you are called to uh, any more than you you know everything that I what I'm called to. Right. But we all have our callings. Amen. Paul gave in to his calling. When he said, Lord, what would I have me to do? Amen. And God told him what he would have him to do. From that point to the time that Paul left and lost his head on Nero's of block, He sought wholeheartedly to fulfill the will of God in his life. To yes, fulfill sir. that calling in his life. There's too many preachers that are hanging it up. There's too many teachers that say, I just can't do it anymore. I can't put in uh, a little bit of time during the week to study for an upcoming lesson. There's too many gospel singers that say, I just can't do it anymore. I can't handle the touring. I can't handle bouncing from church to church all the time. There's too many evangelists saying, I'm tired of evangelizing. I'm ready to pastor a church now. Hey, if God called them to evangelizing, that better be what they stick with because they will fail at being a pastor. Amen. Pastors are not any different. Pastors will say, I'd like to evangelize a little bit. You Now, I ain't saying you can't be called to both of them things, because you can. But, you make sure that's your callings. Right. You'll fail at one or the other of them. And maybe both if you get too involved with one and not enough in the other. He lost it all, folks. Lost everything that he had. But so what did he gain? He gained Christ. He refers it to it here as winning Christ. The Bible says, uh, the, Yea, doubtless, I count all things, but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for, uh, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dumb, that I may win Christ. You be careful with that word win. That makes it sound like we got to do something to get Christ. What does the Bible teach? Repent and believe. That's what the Bible teaches. Repent and believe. And we can't repent without God granting us repentance. We can't believe without the mind that God has given us. Salvation is completely, totally, and utterly of God. Every bit of it is of God. But he counts these things as dumb. We all know what that is. Paul says, I count these things as a waste, as worth nothing win Christ and be found in him. That's the two key phrases there. That I can win Christ and be found in him. When Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, I believe it says uh, Ephesians chapter 2, when he talks about sitting in heavenly places, he doesn't say with Christ. He says in Christ. We can't sit up there right now right now we can't be up there uh, with Christ we're still here on this earth but in Christ we are wherever Christ is Amen. And, and folks hey wherever we are if we're born again Christ is in us we are in him and he is in us hey he said that about he and the father over in John chapter 17 and probably the greatest prayer recorded in all of scripture he says he talks about how he is in the father and the father is in him hey and just the same way I am in Christ and he is in me. because I want to be nowhere other than inside of Jesus Christ. If I stand before God, outside of Jesus Christ, I will stand there condemned. I will stand there in judgment. I will stand there with nothing to cover me but all of my sin. But hallelujah in Christ. He can see nothing but the righteousness of the crown jewel of heaven. He can see nothing but the purity of his I want to be in Christ! Lord And praise God, that's where I am. Good fruit. If we show up to the judgment, to the judgment in front of God, and we must all stand at the judgment seat of Christ, according to what Paul wrote to the Roman church. That's 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 sinners and, and, and saints alike that's lost and saved alike. life we must all stand at the judgment seat of Christ now praise God my understanding in the scripture is the great white throne judgment is only for lost folks those that have no Amen. more hope those that died outside not. of Christ those that died without belief and the only begotten son of the father those that died outside of Christ they will stand at the great white throne judgment but we all must stand at the judgment seat of Christ and if I am not in Christ folks I'm in trouble And you are too. He says. That that I may win Christ. And be found in him. He wins Christ folks. He will be found in him. And I believe if anybody else in scripture won Christ. It was the Apostle Paul. If anyone else was in Christ. It was the Apostle Paul. I know it sounds like I'm putting Paul up on a pedestal tonight. And I promise I'm not. But. Be found in him. Not having mine own Righteousness. He just had a list, a few verses before this, of his own righteousness. Not not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith, through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. I don't want my righteousness by the law. And Paul says he's thankful here that he's going to stand before God in Christ Jesus. He's thankful that he is, in Jesus Christ that he may win Christ and be in him not having his own righteousness because Paul realized that his righteousness was worth nothing it was worth nothing he counted it as dumb but the righteousness of Christ that was a whole different story according to the apostle Paul that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death that I may know him and the power Of his resurrection, folks, if we know him like Paul knew him, and Paul wasn't any closer to Christ than what you and I are. It may seem that way. It may seem that way. Paul, let me rephrase that. Paul was no more saved than you and I are. Paul Paul had no more salvation. He didn't have one iota, not one ounce more salvation than what we did, than what we do. As, as New Testament Christians 2,000 years after this letter was written. He had no more salvation than what you and I do. He says that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. If we know Christ, we know the power of His resurrection. How is that? The same way that Paul did. Paul, hey, When God found Paul on that road to Damascus, when He saw him and He shone that light on Paul, Paul was as dead in his trespasses and sin as I was the day that God found me. He was just as dark, just as lowly, just as lost, just as wicked, and just as evil as I was and what you lost the day that God found you. Amen. And what happened? The power of his resurrection. The power of his resurrection. We're talking spiritual at this point. When God saved me, he resurrected me from a state of being dead and my trespasses and sin into having life and life more abundantly. Amen he resurrected me from that point but folks I understand the resurrection goes far beyond that praise God read 1st Corinthians chapter 15 all goes into much greater detail there than what he does here in chapter 3 of the Philippians the folks, the resurrection it is a must I appreciate that Jesus Christ came here and died for me but folks that by itself wouldn't have saved me I appreciate that he resurrected on the third day but that by itself wasn't able to save me if I didn't have Christ at the right hand of the Father, make an intercession for me, I would still be lost. Amen. That is all in the power of his resurrection. Good fruit. And I have a promise that I will be resurrected just as he was resurrected. One day after a while, I will put take off this corruption and I will put on incorruptible. I will take off this... Filthy cloak of flesh that I have on now, just like you will, and we will put on. Uh, we will put on a robe uh, of righteousness. We will be likened and fashioned like unto the Son of Man. Hallelujah! I look forward to that day. I won't have to worry about this body. I won't have to worry about wearing down, getting tired, being sick, or anything else. I will have a perfect body, just as Christ has a perfect body. Hallelujah. And that's all thanks to the power of his resurrection. And it goes a whole lot further than that, folks. That's just a little bit of it. But don't think, don't think when you read this scripture, that he's just talking about Christ, Christ arose. And that's all there is to it. Folks, the power of his resurrection goes far beyond that. Romans chapter 5 says, if we be reconciled unto God through the death of Jesus Christ, how much more are we reconciled? How much more shall we stay saved? How much more shall we attain that great salvation one day after a while by his life? The life that he currently lives, the life that he lives in heaven by the right sand of by the right hand of God the Father and the life that he lives in me right here on this earth, and in you right here on this earth. Trust is still alive. He is alive forevermore. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise God. He said, I am he that liveth and was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And hold the keys of hell and of death. That's what he said to the, in the book of Revelation chapter 1. And folks, those words have no less meaning now than they did then. Praise God. Amen. We'll have a holy fit. <laughs> if by any means. I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. If by any means, I might attain to the resurrection of the dead. Again, Paul is not talking about his own works. He's not talking about what he can do to reach that. To reach that point. Folks, really and truly, that's the pinnacle. That's the pinnacle point of every Christian's walk. is the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained Now listen, Paul realized that he was sounding arrogant. Not that he was trying to, but he realized how it could have been taken while he was writing. He says, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. But I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I also am apprehended of Christ Jesus. He says, I ain't perfect yet, and I haven't attained that resurrection of the dead yet. I haven't attained the resurrection of Christ yet. In the spiritual sense, yes, but not in the physical sense. In the spiritual sense, as I've already said, if we're saved, we we've, we've experienced the power of the resurrection of Christ. I don't know how you felt, but when I got saved, I felt like a new person. <laughs> yeah. I felt like I'd truly just been born. And I'll tell you why, because I had. I've been reborn at that point. I felt fresh. I felt like the weight of the world had been lifted off of me. I felt like 33 years of sin had just been peeled off of my back and thrown into a sea of forgetfulness, cast as far as the east is from the west, washed away clean by the blood of the Lamb. That's how I felt. I felt reborn because I was reborn. I experienced that power of the resurrection. The Paul here says, not as though I had already attained, Either we're already perfect. He said, I ain't perfect, and I ain't trying to insinuate to you Philippians that I am perfect. He says, but i follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I'm also, I'm apprehended of Christ Jesus. He says, I'm pushing on. And that's what he goes on to say in the next few verses. That's where where we read that he presses toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He says, I ain't there yet, but I'm pressing toward the mark. I, I, I'm going on. I ain't looking back, folks. Ain't none of us should look back. The Bible says that, that any man that puts his hand to the plow and looks back isn't fit for the kingdom of God. Amen. I, I have yet to meet a Christian. A Christian that was fully sold out and fully dedicated to God. I haven't met one yet that has looked back and said, boy, I wish I was back in Egypt. I haven't met one yet that said us. I've met some that were in for just a little while and then they wound up back in Egypt. Hey folks, first John chapter two says they went out from us, but they were not of us. They were never of us to begin with when they act that way. If they're in for just a few months or a few weeks or even a few years and then all of a the sudden they're back out in the world, it's because a dog has returned to its vomit and a sow has returned to the mire. Ain't that scripture? Ain't talking about that son? It's talking about those that were never saved. Amen. Don't let me compare it what Solomon wrote in Proverbs. It was talking about those that never knew God. He was talking about those that never knew God. Now, as I said, I I believe in backsliding. Paul here says, I ain't going to backslide. I refuse to backslide. I'm pressing toward the mark. I'm pressing toward the mark. Not as though I had already attained either and were already perfect. But I follow after. I follow after. Follow after what? I follow after Christ. I follow after salvation. I follow after after everything that Christ uh, that Christ has taught. I follow. After, don't you think for a moment that that just because Paul wasn't part of the first uh, first parts of the ministry of Jesus Christ that, that he didn't know anything about the man. Jesus Christ taught Paul himself. Paul had, had, had his own uh, personal, personalized sessions with Jesus Christ according to the scripture. Uh, and I think he retained everything that Jesus Christ taught him. Everything. They did. Paul says, I mean, I'm not perfect. Now, nor am I claiming to be perfect. But I follow after. I follow after what? I follow after Christ. He's writing to these Philippians. I follow after everything that I'm telling you right now. I'm following after it. I'm not just telling you this and then going on my way and doing something else. And he certainly wasn't acting like a Gnostic, saying, well, you all go ahead and go by the Bible. But if I tell you something different, it's because God revealed something different to me. And just because it ain't the Bible, it's fine. That's Gnostic thinking. There's a lot of that nowadays. There's a lot of that going on nowadays, folks. If people tell you that and it's contrary to the word of God, I wouldn't buy it. I wouldn't believe it for a moment. Right. Follow after like Paul does, like Paul says here. Follow after Christ. Follow after. You remember what kind of testimony you're leaving for your family? What kind of testimony you're leaving for your friends? What kind of testimony you're leaving for spouses, or coworkers, or whoever else? You remember the testimony that you're giving them, and you follow after that. Hey, man. Don't let them catch you doing something contrary. Because have- that—that is a disgrace. To the church, it's right. a disgrace to the cause of Christ. Follow after.